Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Friday, Friday, Friday. We've made it to Friday on what was for many a short week, but sometimes short weeks feel long. It's just how it goes. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Tom Selleck. Hey, Dad. This is, uh, this is number three. How many total of these shirts are there? I don't know, like seven, I think. I wore one on Monday, too. Oh, I missed you on Monday. Monday's so look good, one too. That was the best one so far. Thank you, thank you. What's this pattern today? Um, It's got some, some trees and some other lines. I don't know. Okay. I just think it looks good. Hey, Dad, doing his short-sleeve Hawaiian-style short shirt that has uh, become a staple of his daily wardrobe. He's rolling about two of them out a week. Don't be jealous. That is That is now his thing. We're glad to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online, as I said, at supertalk.fm. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. At Ceasefire, they're always asking the big questions like, uh, why wait for the next device to get the device that you really want? Other carriers make you sit tight until the next big devices come out, and then maybe they'll give you a deal on the newest iPhone or the iPhone that you want. You know it, C Spire knows it, and we all know that that is bull. That's why they're bringing you the best deal on your choice of the iPhone today. Whether you're upgrading, adding a new line, or switching from another carrier, this is the deal you've been holding out for. $100 off any iPhone available at your local C Spire store or online at cspire.com. Borky, you're always complaining about your phone. Maybe here's your chance. 100 bucks off Whatever iPhone you want. I will be taking advantage at some point very soon. That's good. That's good. You can check them out online at cspire.com. So you can uh, text the show. We had NFL football last night. What'd you think? Borky, you you had the Chiefs and the over. You hit both thanks to a garbage time field goal uh, when Al Michaels said, uh, you know what this means. (laughs) Yeah. You're giving me a little too much credit. I actually took the points, but oh, that's right, you took Houston in the uh, the over. But I did go one and one thanks to that garbage time field goal. It, they need to be more uh, open about it on broadcast. I appreciate the subtlety of, of Al Michaels, but I mean gambling's legal, sports gambling's legal in a lot of states, and that number keeps growing. Just talk yeah. about it openly, including it's one okay. where where there's an NFL team now. Sports sports gambling is legal, right there in the center of it. So. Do what? I said the sports gambling is legal in a city where there's a team. 
And biggest gambling city in the world, Las Vegas. Oh, well, you oh, got oh, ten- oh, sorry. Yeah, in Vegas, sure. I mean, you got yeah. Tennessee now. The New York, or, well, not the New York Giants. It's both teams, but there is a sports book that uh, is in conjunction with the stadium there. So yeah. you can go bet on the game, and it's like a small shuttle that they'll take you from the sports book to the stadium. Like the teams pay for it, so uh, might as well be open with it. Pre-game stuff last night, so. National Anthem, the Texans stayed in the locker room. The Chiefs were on the field. They locked arms. They had one player that took a knee during the National Anthem. And then after the National Anthem, the Texans came back on the field, and from goal line to goal line in the middle of the field, the players locked arms in a moment of unity. Some of the Kansas City fans booed while that was going on. Anybody that is surprised by that has not been paying attention. What was uh, what was your take on kind of the, the pregame activity and the reaction to it? Um, one, uh, the anthem, I think, is going to be largely non-controversial. I mean, you, you did have one guy, and one person is probably going to bother some people, but by and large, one team staying in the locker room, I think, is fine, because that's really how they should do it anyway. Um, if you've ever been to an NFL game in person, the pregame stuff takes forever. The players take the field, and they don't kick off for, like, 20 additional minutes. It's crazy, yeah. so... Uh, that that's fine if a team stays in the locker room. That's okay. The Chiefs, as you mentioned, had some guys locking arms, some that had hand over heart looking at the flag, and that's okay. And if the moment of unity thing, uh, I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. I mean, unity is a fine message. You know, we should all be together and treat each other uh, well. That's fine. It's, that's a cool message. I'm okay with unity being the message. And I talked to somebody this morning because – I have not been one of those people that let the the anthem protest stop me from watching games. That's I've just I have been that person. But I talked to somebody this morning that has been very anti NFL because of anthem protests, and he asked me because he didn't watch what the pregame was like. So I explained it to him: one team in the locker room, one team with the exception of one player there for the anthem, and then they did this moment of unity thing after the anthem before kickoff. And he was like, "Oh, that's cool. Like I'm fine with that." Yeah. As long it, you've got people on ESPN and, and stuff today saying that the moment of unity and the few fans that booed it for whatever reason they did shows that it was never about uh, the anthem and that it was just the pro any kind of protest makes people uncomfortable. Not in my circle. Not the people I talk to. Everybody seemed cool with it. If you want to do a, a moment of unity, that's fine. Whatever. That's on you. But most people I've talked to have zero problem at all with the pregame and anything that came with it last night. Maybe I'm in a bubble, but I talked to I talked to one guy in particular. But in my group message, everybody who had mixed opinions on anthem protests didn't have a problem with what happened on the field last night. I thought it was kind of a win for the NFL, relatively speaking. Yeah. I tend to uh, I tend to agree with you uh, as well, and I have a far greater respect for a team that says we're going to stay in the locker room for the national anthem. Okay, I'm okay with you doing that. That is a private display. It can mean whatever it means to you individually to stay in the locker room and not go out on the field for the national anthem, but you avoid the imagery that is offensive to so many. 
I mean, you, you, you can argue whether it should be offensive or should not, but it is clear that there are millions of people in the United States, millions, who are offended by professional athletes who take a knee during our country's national anthem. And so to avoid that and the backlash that goes with it, if a team says, just go stay in the locker room, fair enough. Miami Dolphins announced through a video that a lot of people like hailed as like unbelievably touching and whatever else that they were going to stay in the locker room. Eh, okay, I mean it was like a bad poem, but whatever. And you know they read it with different players and you know different camera angles and dark screen and all that good stuff. And you know it was very artistic. That's fine. I'm fine with it. Just stay in the locker room. And and it's interesting the Miami Dolphins. Their justification or their rationale was the NFL's not doing enough. They've said they were going to do stuff, but they haven't really done it, and so um, we're not going to be part of, yeah, whatever. But I agree with your take, Borky. Team stays in the locker room. I'm fine with that. That's what happens in college football anyway. You know, whether it's tradition or timing or last-minute game adjustments that have to be made, whatever it is, that's just how they do it in college football. And we never think anything about it. And so if the NFL goes that route, I think that's fine. Interestingly enough, most of the fans that are in the stands at NFL games, I think, want the national anthem there. And a lot of the players don't want to be a part of it, and so maybe that's a good compromise. You you play the national anthem for the fans who are there and who want to honor America during that particular time, and the players who don't want to recognize that, they can stay in the locker room. It's fine. Hey, Dad, did you ever take one way or the other on it? Well, you know, when it happened, I was watching the NBA. So all I got to see was, you know, the secondhand stuff. But I'm pretty much with you guys, you know, that especially the staying in the locker room. I mean, that's what college teams do. So, you know, I don't see how you can have a problem with that. Um, And then, you know, it's the show of unity. I mean, the people who booed, I don't know exactly what you're booing there, but whatever. You're you're entitled to that opinion. Um, I felt like, yeah, I mean, it, it could have been. You know, this is the first game, and it could have turned into a huge political statement and a huge backlash, and it could have been all sorts of, of we, we could be hot taking it up right this second, but we're not. So I think I agree with Borky, a win for the NFL from a perception standpoint, for sure. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And the game itself, well, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are still pretty good. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't have eye-popping numbers. He had really good numbers. He was 24 of 32, 211 yards, three touchdowns. He was not intercepted. He was sacked uh, one time in the ballgame. There was a star that was born in the NFL last night, and his name is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 25 carries, 138 yards, 5.5 yards per carry, and a touchdown in his NFL debut. He was spectacular. And he's going to carry a bigger load because of the opt-out that they had at running back. What an incredible opportunity for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We may be watching Wally Pipp in Kansas City. And if that's the case, so be it. Just getting started, we've got a big, big, big show with you this afternoon. We've got a big high school football preview coming up. A three-part interview with the assistant basketball coaches from Ole Miss coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got some picks to make. Get you ready for the college football weekend. Should be fun this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll spend long on this. I just saw it pop up a second ago. I don't know if you've seen it or not, Borky. Yardage 
for the U.S. Open coming up next week at Wingfoot. Course is playing 213 yards longer than it did in 2006 when the U.S. Open was last there. 7,477 yards with a course rating of 76.9 and a slope of 146. That means nothing to you. Here's what it means in layman's terms. It is going to be hard, hard, hard. The par threes will measure 243 yards on number three, 162 on number seven, 213, I'm sorry, 214 on number 10, and 212 on number 13. There's a 504-yard par 4, that's on 17, and the par 5 12th is playing 633 yards. That is a beast. Is that a uh, four-shot hole? or <clears throat> You know what's Goodness. crazy? Somebody's going to at least get greenside in two. I mean, that's how long these guys hit the ball now. It's crazy. You can have a 350-yard drive and still have 283 into the green with your second shot. And somebody will do it. Watch. Oh, sure they will. Isn't that crazy? It's just... Sure they will. So, U.S. Open coming up next week. That'll be fun. What did you take away from the Chiefs last night? Can we contextualize the ratings thing? Because this is right up my alley, and we've had multiple texts talking about how the ratings were terrible. Guys, I don't know what websites you read, but 20.3 million people watched that game last night. Yes, it is not inaccurate to say that they were down 10% from a year ago. That is a fact. They were up from 2018. See, 20.3 million people is a number that was bigger than the NFL had really up until the calendar turned to 2010. 20.3 million people is the is and will be the most watched television broadcast other than a potential presidential debate this fall. That no that and this is the first time an NFL game has competed against an NBA playoff game featuring the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, by the way, and NHL playoffs. That number is up from 2018. So when you send us these screenshots of Hannity's website saying USA to the NFL, no thanks, that number last night will beat anything, anything else that is broadcasted this year with the exception of a once-in-four-years presidential debate. So just have some context when you look at this because USA did not tell the NFL last night no thanks. 20.3 million people is massive, massive, and there's not a single Ole Miss or Mississippi State game that will come to within 25% of that number. Hmm. It's right. You, you, you're absolutely right about it. So again, down a little bit. And, and look, one game does not a sample size make. Borky, if we look across the entire season and the ratings are down 
across the board, then I think we'll be having the conversation that we were having three years ago when the NFL's ratings were down. And people wanted to deny that they were down because of some of the protests that were going on with players. But I don't think one night is necessarily indicative of what the ratings are going to be for the year. We may very well look up eight weeks into the season, and across the board, NFL ratings are down 15%. And you know what? If that's the case, it's going to be because of protests from players. It's not going to be because people don't like football anymore. It's going to be they're turning off because of that. And I think we've got to be open to looking at those numbers, and we will do that. It's it's also not a stretch to say that, yes, the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions, but Chiefs-Texans isn't exactly Cowboys-Giants or Patriots-Steelers uh, or anything like that. And it was not Thursday biggest, night. Yeah, just not the biggest fan base. There's a lot of factors here. And it can sound like excuses if, if that's what you want the narrative to be. But at the end of the day, yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, sports fans were had a lot of options last night because of the way the uh, the calendar has gone because of the pandemic. And people, there were a lot of people like me who, I, hey, I watched. Not to mention, let's look at it. Who was playing the Lakers? The Houston Rockets. So I got the Houston Rockets in a in a, a must win playoff game versus the Houston Texans in the first game of the season. I bet the city of Houston is going to be pretty split when we see those ratings, you know, city by city. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would. The NFL, though, is a national game. Major League Baseball is regional. NFL is national. I think we look at the ratings numbers differently. Your, Your point about city ratings, those are always higher for games in which their teams are playing. But the NFL is a national sport, whereas baseball in particular is regional. But I do think the the point that how many people watched the Lakers game? Lakers Rockets did 2.5 million 800K for the hockey game, 1.5 million for tennis. What about college football? UAB Miami? It was under a million. It was a very bad number. Okay. It's on the ACC network, though. Well, yeah, you're not going to get a good number on that regardless. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's safe to say that if the NFL had been the only thing going last night, you might have had another million, million and a half people that were watching. Easily. So, we'll see. That's the thing that's so frustrating is you can apply context to this, but people just refuse to do it. I mean, we've got a guy arguing with me right now saying they're down 16%. Well, that's just factually inaccurate. But you've got news outlets that perpetuate that, that that are just wrong. It's just not true. And so narratives get forced, and you have to argue one side or the other. And just with everything else nowadays, this is what happens. When in reality, I have a fee. I, I think it's undeniable that there are people that tuned out because they expected some heavy political stuff. Luckily, they didn't really get it. There were some at the beginning, but the broadcast, once the game kicked off, focused on football. Now, I, there there were some people on my Twitter feed that were upset that there was a Joe Biden ad running. Well, the network doesn't control that. He bought <laughs> it. Buy the ads, he, he bought it. That and, and if Trump wants to buy ads in the NFL games, guess what he will get? Ads in NFL games. So, uh, But that that's what's so frustrating about this is because I want to agree with you because I think you're right. I think there are people that tune away from the league because of political stuff. But last night, the number was really, really good. And I think that's in part because the story was not anything political. When you sat down and watched the football game, once it kicked off, 
That is all you got was a football game. I don't think the NFL broadcast crews are going to spend much time talking about it during the games. CBS has directed their analysts and their play-by-play people to not talk about things from an opinion standpoint. You know, if there's stories that are happening on the field, if there are stories that are happening with the teams, then they're going to talk about those. They're not going to make that the focus, but they will talk about them. They will address them. But CBS has told its announcers, we don't want this to be your soapbox. Al Michaels wasn't going to do that last night. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, they weren't, and they didn't for the most part. And I don't think that Fox will be that much difference. I mean, I, I don't think that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are going to go on long tangents about social justice. I think they're going to talk about football because that's what they're good at. That's in their wheelhouse. There will be references, maybe short conversations, but it's not going to dominate the broadcast. Let me try the original question again because I actually meant it from a football standpoint. What did you think about the Chiefs last night? They're pretty darn good once again. I thought the whole point of the NFL draft was to let the, the bad teams get the good players. <laughs> how did how did we screw around and let the Chiefs get Clyde Edwards Solaire? That was one of those great moments where Didn't he go in the second fans, round? No, he's Final the last pick, pick of, of the first, first round. round. Last pick okay. he went to the Chiefs, last pick of the first round. Like this one of those moments, and you guys all know about this, where pro football people who don't watch college are like, Who is this guy? And all those college fans are like, That that was the easiest pick ever. Who could not have seen that being a success? As good as he was in LSU's offense, now he's going to a better offense? Man, that that's unfair. It's unfair. Uh, Deshaun Watson last night was okay. One touchdown, one interception. He got uh, up close and personal with Chris Jones in the backfield. This just in, Chris Jones still pretty darn good in the middle pretty of the defensive good. line in the National Football League. Four sacks for the uh, Chiefs in the uh, in the game last night. Yeah, Houston. They said that they shored up the offensive line. Well, uh, I don't know about that. Well, but they were also facing one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. True. There are some hot takes about Houston today. I don't agree with. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at SuperTalk.fm. Will East, Stephen Gagliano will join us next. We will break down the entire night of high school football in the state of Mississippi when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm on this Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and now our high school football crew as well. Will East and Stephen Gagliano. They've got the high school football preview show coming your way when we get finished on Sports Talk Mississippi tonight at 6 o'clock. And then the... Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show starts at 10.30 and runs until midnight. Fellas? Uh, 10 o'clock to 11.30. Get it right, 10 to Richard. 11.30. <laughs> wow. I'm not, I'm not up until midnight. It's only this been guy. the longest-running high school scoreboard show in the state. He's only been doing it 25 years. <laughs> Maybe next year I mean, year don't you, you right. think you schmutz are kind of mailing it in by not hanging around until <laughs> <to> midnight? <laughs> There's people 10 out until there 11.30, not 10.30 until midnight. Uh, if you wait until 10.30, you will be late. Let's start by taking a quick look back. We talked about some of the big games last week. Were there any results that surprised you or anything that uh, folks may have missed it we need to know about before looking to week two? 
I was really impressed by Starkville. We talked about that game with them in West Point being kind of a 1-2 matchup to start the season. And Starkville really looked the part in that game. Luke Altmeyer had two touchdown passes, a long touchdown run. So they really which, solidified themselves. Which is something that was kind of unexpected because nobody's talked about his uh, ability to move in the, the pocket. And he kind of surprised everybody. He had a 74-yard touchdown run to answer a long touchdown run by West Point. So it was kind of like a tit-for-tat. And I don't think anybody was expecting that. And he, he certainly looked the part uh, against what is usually one of the best defenses in the state. So Luke Altmeyer and Starkville, there's something to be reckoned with. Hey, Will, at one point a long time ago, 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. I almost had a long touchdown run. It wasn't 74 yards. It would have been in the neighborhood of 60 yards. It was a trap option play going to the left. We were at North Panola, and the pitchback, so the tailback who was the pitchback on the play, uh, went from trailing me by seven yards, so good pitch, you know, quarterback, running back pitch relationship there, to being seven yards in front of me as the lead blocker, and I still got tackled behind by a defensive tackle and turned my ankle on the play at the two-yard line. Did you hold on to the ball at least? I did. Okay, no fumble so, on the play, okay. and we scored a play later. So it wasn't a total waste then. You should have pitched it to the athlete in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But, I mean, it was one of those – I mean, Borky, all I was ever looking to do was pitch, but it was one of those plays where, you know, you open to one side on a trap option, then you kind of pivot out of that, and there was literally nobody there. Like, everybody bought the fake, and, I mean, it's like nothing but green grass. Just go get it, Every, Richard. Everybody bought the idea that there was no way they'd let you run the ball. <laughs> you so. got that right. So 58 of the 60 yards were lovely, and then the last two went to somebody else to take it into the end zone on the next play. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Um, anything else that stood out from last week? I, I think the the 99th edition of the Battle for the Little Brown Jug. Uh, yeah, you know that was one that we thought going in that Laurel was one of the top three 5A teams in the state, and I, I think they were without their quarterback. And boy, it showed. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what Hattiesburg had eight turnovers. They they caused eight turnovers in that game. Five interceptions. The Laurel quarterback completed more passes to Hattiesburg than he did to his own team. They mm. also blocked a punt. They also, I think they recovered a squib kick, and I think they blocked a two-point conversion somewhere in there. So Hattiesburg just kind of, I don't want to say shocked, but I mean they really, um, they really stepped up in that that 99th battle for the little brown jug. And Laurel's going to be kind of wondering what they got to do. I don't know if the quarterback's going to be out for more games, but uh, Hattiesburg turns around. They have a big game tonight. Uh, one of these crosstown rivalries. They're going to play Oak Grove tonight, uh, yep. who's probably the number two team in 6A right now. So that'll be a really good one. But, you know, Hattiesburg, the past couple of years, we've thought about their, you know, you think about offense and all the great players they've had there the past couple of seasons. Well, Hattiesburg defense just came out of nowhere. Well, I think it was you last week that uh, made reference to South Panola and thinking that uh, this might be a pretty good South Panola team. Uh, you get a, a game that opposite side of the stakes, but in the past has been considered a rivalry game, and it was a game where and traditionally Meridian had trouble getting over the hump. You got South Panola and Meridian tonight. South Panola and Meridian, two teams that are just going the opposite direction. Uh, you think about South Panola, they went 12-2 and last year since Coach Ricky Woods has been back there. The guy who kind of built that original you know, dynasty, uh, he's gotten better every single year. They struggled a little bit against Hernando last week. I think that game was, 
I think South Panola was down going into the fourth quarter, but they managed to come back and they managed to win. And then you got Meridian on the other side, who, you know, for years Meridian was that team that was just always waiting in the wing. They were just they were just there. And I think they beat South Panola in some of those state championship games. Uh, and they've just really struggled the past couple of years. I, for years, you could just guarantee that Meridian was going to be in the playoffs. And, you know, they've had some coaching changes, some other stuff going on. And, um, you know, they've just really struggled. So uh, I, I think South Panola, maybe they were just kind of warming things up last week. We'll see what they do tonight against Meridian. But I still think South Panola is is one of the, I'd say, probably top three teams in 6A this year. South Panola was a team last week that, they're one that you wonder how much did losing probably a lot of summer workouts and a regular schedule in the off season kind yeah. of hurt them. So yeah, like you said, I think tonight you'll see more of a complete South Panola team. Okay. Gags interesting one on the coast tonight with uh, Gulfport and Picayune. Yeah, and Picayune. Speaking of kind of a slow start, they did get off to a slow start last week, and I'm blanking on who they played, but they didn't score once in the first quarter. Which you know, going back to last season when they averaged. 50-something points a game, seeing them struggle a bit on the offensive side of the ball was interesting. And they had six turnovers in that game. Oh, did they? They had six turnovers, which <laughs> News I don't me. think Picayune had all six turnovers all of last season, right. which is <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, so for them to be able to, to end up winning that game, I think this week they'll kind of come out right from the jump and be the, the Picayune of last year. Yeah. So West Point trying to bounce back from losing to Starkville last week. Uh, tough task tonight in facing Tupelo, and we talked about the fact that Tupelo is uh, you know, there's a lot of new for the uh, for the Golden Wave, especially uh, with Coach Trent Hammond moving on. Yeah, Tupelo struggled last week against Neshoba Central, who's one of the better teams in 5A. Um, you know, West Point is just. I listened to a little bit of that broadcast last week, and it just looks like they just weren't on the same page. Um, you know, and they're a team. They've got a veteran coach and Chris Chambliss. I mean, they're a team that could probably correct a lot of those mistakes uh, early on in the year. And uh, I would expect West Point to be, you know, on a roll uh, as the wave, the Green Wave, battled the Golden Wave. Yeah. Two uh, hey, Dad. Blue, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, they're yeah. blue field. Yeah, that is correct. Hey, hey, Dad, you want to do your thing? Well, we can talk about the Flashes. They picked up two week, two wins without playing a game this week uh, because we found out that Hartfield used an ineligible player on opening night. Oh! And the, uh, and the MAIS declared uh, last week's game against Central Hines a forfeit. Uh, Central Hines had to, uh, to not be able to play because of a COVID outbreak. So the Flashes now 2-1 and one going into tonight's game against Park Lane Academy. Give it to me, boys. Are they the only team with two wins that has yet to score a touchdown in the history of football? <laughs> I mean, we could go back. I'd have to do some research. Some great defensive teams in history, I'm sure. But, ish. Just like Hey Dad, winning on technicalities. Right. Hey, that's the best yes. way to win. Yeah. Um, Park Lane 0-2, so a chance to pick up uh, that third victory then tonight for St. Al. Fingers crossed. Go fly. Can they do that without scoring, though, is the question. We will see. Maybe a safety wins it. 2-0. Hmm. I've been there for those kind of games, you know, so they're not fun. <laughs> Oxford and Lafayette meeting in the Crosstown Classic in North Mississippi tonight. I uh, I have not asked anyone. It seems like there would have been a great opportunity to play this game at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium and being able to go 25% capacity and have uh, as, as big a crowd as possible. They're not doing that. It's a home game for, uh, for Oxford tonight. And both Oxford and Lafayette won last week. Oxford pretty impressive against Grenada, and uh, Lafayette got the win against Hernando. 
Yeah, Oxford's still running kind of a two-quarterback thing here at the beginning of the season. I guess, you know, testing things out between Michael Harvey and Tripp Maxwell. I think both threw a couple touchdowns last week, actually, but I think you're going against a much improved and much better Lafayette defense this week. So whichever quarterback plays well tonight, I would think would kind of solidify themselves as the number one starter. Will, is that your favorite game of the weekend? Uh, probably so. Uh, you know, Oxford's dominated that series the past couple of years. I think they're like 7-1 and one in the last eight years, and I think maybe one of those games has been close. Lafayette, with everything that Oxford lost on defense, uh, I think they have one returning starter or something like that on defense. Uh, you know, Lafayette, this might be you know one of those years where they can – sneak up and, and get a victory in this series. Uh, they looked really good last week against Horn Lake, Lafayette did. Uh, I, I would say probably the, the Oxford-Lafayette game is 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 right up there, but I would also say Corinth versus Olive Branch is a sneaky good game. Normally, okay. 4A teams versus 6A teams, not that great. I think this one will be. All right. We'll continue with Will East and Stephen Gagliano. I think we'll uh, was kind to not correct me. I said Hernando against Lafayette last week. It was Horn Lake. So uh, a, a win, nonetheless, for the uh, Commodores in the season opener. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a look at a few more of the games and also get a preview of what is coming up tonight in the high school football preview show when we get finished at 6 o'clock. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a quick time out and be right back. Back with you on this Friday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, plus Stephen Gagliano and Will East as we continue to preview the high school football slate on this second full week of the season. MAIS a few weeks in. I guess this is their fourth week of the, uh, the regular season. So games happening all across the state. Generally speaking, Will, Stephen, last week, were people pleased with, uh, you know, how things worked uh, with limited stadium capacity in this COVID era that we're dealing with? I think the twenty five percent thing went over better than the two people per yeah, participant or whatever better. it was. I just think that it makes more sense. It's easier to figure out. Uh, I didn't hear of any issues. There, there may have been some isolated stuff, but I, I did not hear of anything. And I think you're going to talk to uh, Don Hinton tonight, right, Stephen? Yes, the executive director of the MHSAA is going to join us to begin the show, actually. Didn't want to keep him up too late. So right at 10 o'clock, he's going to join us, and, and we're going to talk to him about capacity things and schedule shuffling that we've started to see here in the early part of the season. So, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from him and to uh, to discuss the new location for the championship games, which is Veterans Memorial Stadium uh, here in Jackson. Yep. So a little bit of a change this year, bringing the championship games back to Jackson this season. Uh, Don Hinton is the outgoing executive director of the MHSAA, and uh, they've made the announcement of uh, the new executive director. I'm sure you guys will get into that tonight as well. We we talked about a few games. What did we not talk about that we need to be looking at in uh, in this slate of games tonight? I think Corinth Olive Branch. It's a 4A okay. school versus a 6A school, and it's very uncommon for you to see a 4A school beat a 6A school. Well, last year, Corinth 
played Olive Branch. I think they played them at Olive Branch, and they were down f- uh, by 14 points at halftime. They came back and they won, and it was the first time Corinth had ever beaten a 6A school. I think uh, Corinth is maybe the top team in 4A. They won the state championship last year. Uh, you might see that again tonight uh, because Olive Branch kind of uh, struggled in their win. I think I can't remember who they played last week, but I, I think they kind of struggled a little bit. So I, Holly Springs, I think, is who they played. Um, I, I think you might see a 4A school beat a 6A school tonight is what I'm saying, and that is a hmm. that is kind of a rare occurrence. You occasionally might see like a Louisville upset a Startville or somebody like that, but it doesn't happen very often, and, and Corinth is really building a, a program there. And they're following that Louisville blueprint, which was play the toughest teams you can during the non-regional part of the schedule, and when the regional teams kick in, you've got – you know, experience against much better competition, it'll serve you better in the long run, and that's the model that uh, that uh, Coach Todd Lowry at Corinth seems to be following. And they run that kind of weird triple option hybrid type offense, and it's just hard to stop. And they rack up yard after yard. I think they had something like 450 yards uh, in their last game. So um, watch out for Corinth uh, tonight as they take on Olive Branch. Stephen, got a game that you're watching for? Yeah, another one of these uh, kind of rivalry games this week. We mentioned Lafayette at Oxford, Hattiesburg at Oak Grove, but we've also got Wes Jones at Wayne County. Uh, mm. Wes Jones has, I think it's 16 players back from a team last year that won, I think, 13 games, and they made it to the to the 5A state championship and, and lost it, but still a really good team coming back. Wayne County... Lost in week one. You don't want to start 0-2, obviously, even though it isn't region play quite yet. And Wayne County, you know, when you think about Wayne County, you think about, what, Jarrell Poe and, you know, know, McKinley and all these, you know, big defensive linemen. Last week against D'Aberville, D'Aberville ran all over Wayne County. They had seven different players account for 300 rushing yards against Wayne County, which is just, it's, Richard, you're probably familiar with Wayne County as well. That's just weird. You just don't run a Wayne County. Well, they did yeah. it last week. So Wayne County is going to have to figure something out because West Jones, that's a team built for a championship this year. They've got all those parts that Stephen mentioned, 16 returning starters back. I, I And in this, especially with Picayune having a new head coach and you know kind of struggled a little bit last week, West Jones is just a team that you can expect to be in the playoffs and make a deep playoff run this year. And uh, – you know they knocked out Wayne County last year in the uh, second round of the playoffs in overtime. So there's a little bit of a revenge factor going on here as well. But you got to watch out for West Jones this year. Bunch of good games happening all over the state of Mississippi. Don't forget you can go to supertalk.fm/highschool. There are a bunch of football helmets there at the top of the page. You can click on a football helmet to listen to the streaming broadcast. Also, we've got live scores that are happening. That uh, scoreboard is powered by ScoreStream. You can keep up with the games all across the state. The preview show begins when we finish up tonight here on Sports Talk Mississippi at 6 o'clock. And then uh, the Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show in its 25th year gets started at 10 p.m. <laughs> I was and we'll roll tell all you, the but... way until 11.30. Guys, thanks as always. Thanks. Thanks. Will East and Stephen Gagliano joining us in studio there in Jackson on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Coming up next, a three-part conversation that I had yesterday with Levi Watkins, Ronnie Hamilton, and Wynn Case, the assistant basketball coaches on Ole Miss's team, our Ole Miss's staff. We'll get to that 
in the 4 o'clock hour, up next after this timeout. Levi Watkins, who was a decorated high school basketball player, has, uh, or at least that's what I'm told, and uh, he's kind of worked his way through the assistant coaching ranks uh, at NC State and Arizona State uh, and is on Kermit's staff as well. First of all, I appreciate all three of you being willing to spend some time uh, when, I, I mean this nicely, I think you're the elder statesman in the room, so, so we'll start with you, two-time national championship coach at Oklahoma City, in the NAIA, are are you the only guy that's got a ring in here? Yes. <laughs> All right. So 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 take me through that road. Spent most of your early coaching career in Oklahoma with some different stops, and then at some point transitioned from being a head coach to being an assistant coach, but at the Division One level. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, just going back to uh, how everything evolved with. Uh, being on uh, Coach uh, Davis' staff, um, you know, I'm sitting there as a head coach, like like you said, at Oklahoma City University. Get a call from Bill Self, uh, you know, obviously the uh, head coach of Kansas and uh, a Hall of Famer, and he just basically said to me, he said, "Hey, he said uh, Kermit Davis has an opening on his staff, and I really, really think that uh, you ought to uh, talk to him about the possibility of working for him." And Bill Self just said all these these great things about uh, uh, Coach Davis, that he thought he was one of the better coaches out there, that I could learn a lot. And uh, at some point, uh, working for him, I would have an op- a greater opportunity to be a Division One head coach. Well, and it's interesting because you didn't transfer from being a head coach or, or, or move from being a head coach to Kansas or to Florida or some other Power 5 job, it was to go to Murfreesboro and be part of it at Middle Tennessee State. So it was, it was a long-term play, I guess. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the one thing that Bill said to me was that uh, when he said that uh, Coach Davis is one of the best out there and that I can learn, and I'm always a student of the game, and, and I want to try to learn, and he was exactly right, fast forward to now, uh, that I thought I knew a lot about basketball before I got uh, to Coach Davis, uh, but now I know even more. And so I'm very happy and excited to be on his staff. Levi Watkins, um, player on the, the Eastern Seaboard growing up, uh, decorated high school basketball player. At, at what point did you realize that coaching was where you wanted to go? I kind of knew at a, at a young age. I knew uh, that the, the, the ball would start bouncing eventually. And uh, I loved the sport of basketball. I've been around it my entire life. And uh, I had a, a good high school career, battled some injuries in college, and it uh, kind of came earlier than I expected. Um, had some deals overseas to, to be play professionally. Got fortunate where there's an opportunity to get right on staff at my alma mater uh, at NC State. Um, so I, I started young, and uh, I've, been, I've been in it ever since 2005. Worked with a, a lot of good coaches, um, coached a lot of good players. So it's been, it's been a good ride so far. What's the part of the job that you like the most? Um, I, I had such a great experience as a, as a student athlete. We went to four NCAA tournaments as a player, and uh, it, was, it was outside of me having children. It was probably the best time of my life. So just being a part of that, recruiting really good players to whatever school I'm working at and have, helping them have that same experience, and that's something that would we'll, we'll carry on with them for the rest of their lives. That's something that I'm big into, helping our guys get better, helping them grow as men, and just ha- having them have the same experiences I had. Ronnie Hamilton, assistant, uh, who has probably the um, 
you know, the most solid track to getting to this spot of, of anybody you'll find in college basketball. He goes and is a star at Duke, four-year starter for uh, for Coach K uh, on the basket. Wait, well, let me check my notes. A star and a four-year starter is a defensive back for the great Carl Franks on the Duke football field. Uh, ultimately, uh, a short stint in the NBA as a, as a free agent, uh, and then at some point made the transition. How in the heck do you go from defensive back in the ACC at Duke to I want to be a basketball coach? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I get it all the time, and, and I'm always happy to answer it. Uh, I, number one, I'd be really blessed. Um, you know, one thing all of we all of us on this staff, uh, Levi and Coach Case, when we have is we've all played at. Uh, Power Five, uh, high major schools. Uh, as Levi mentioned, NC State, great basketball player. Coach Case played Oklahoma State, uh, and I played at Duke. The difference is, you know, I played football. Um, but basketball for me was always my first love and passion. Uh, I was a two-sport guy in high school, and just I had an itch to coach that particular sport. You know, since I can remember, and uh, you know, I ended up being better in football uh, in terms of you know the recruiting piece and, and and the opportunities I had to play in college, and I took advantage of those going to Duke and had a great experience. Uh, but it was something that just always kind of tugged at my heart. And uh, when I got done playing, I had a small cup of tea with the New York Giants, uh, got cut in training camp, and I just was sitting there uh, at that particular time, I guess 18 years ago, uh, trying to figure out you know wh- what I wanted to do next in life. And it just, it just, it just kept, you know, just tugging at me to, to try it. And I've always been a person that, if I had a goal or a dream or a passion, I was going to pursue it with everything I had. And so at that point in time, uh, I just, you know, really kind of started from, 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 from ground zero, so to speak, and uh, tried to find a way to get into the profession. Um, coach year in high school, and then I got an opportunity to be a grad assistant at UNC Pembroke. And then just worked and worked and worked. Been fortunate to work with a lot of good coaches and good staffs. Been blessed with a lot of opportunities. And uh, fast forward now, 18 years later, I'm here at Ole Miss and, and, and very, very, very just fortunate to be here. This is clearly a unique time when, and uh, you know, you rewind to uh, to March of last year, uh, SEC tournament. Uh, you guys actually play on on day one. Season comes to an end, but then the whole tournament comes to an end, and the season. Uh, quickly ends for everybody. There, there was that weird time of they're going to play and then they're going to play without fans and then they're not going to play and then the NCAA tournament gets shut down and six months later we're still trying to kind of piece it all back together. Um, at, at best, the start of the season it sounds like has been pushed back a couple of weeks. Um, what, what has this six month window been like for you guys as assistant coaches who are trying to recruit, who are trying to build a roster and, and build a culture? Well, I can tell you this, and I say this with with, with all of us here. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that it's been one of the most unique times of our lives, uh, something that obviously we've never experienced. But the thing that I'm really happy and excited about was the fact that uh, our head coach basically kind of steered us through the, uh, the storm, so to speak. And, and, and every single day we were preparing for now. And, you know, fast forward to now, uh, we think that we have a team that we've put together that has a chance to compete for uh, a conference uh, SEC championship. And throughout all the rocky times, obviously we're still going through some tough times now, but throughout all the rocky times, Coach Davis has steered us every single day and getting us to this point. And, and I'm very, very excited about what we have in store for this season. 
Kermit's made a joke about the fact that you, you guys did it in the wrong order. Year two should have been year one, and then year one should have been the year, okay, you take a step, you get to the NCAA tournament, there's this incredible momentum. How do you get past what last year was without necessarily diving into to what the issues were and, and, and how you got to the end, but to recapture some of that magic that you guys had in year one when, when you made it to the dance? Well, I just think more than anything, you just got to prepare every single day, you know, one step forward and just keep preparing. And I think that's what we've done. And, and uh, you know, obviously you can't look back. you got to look forward. And the thing that, again, I know I brag on him a lot, but the thing I love about our head coach is that every single day he prepares us for what we have in store, and that's to obviously have a good season this year. Ronnie, you got little ones at home. You've been able to be around with them a lot more over the last six months than normally would be the case. What has it been like trying to recruit and build relationships when you can't go see guys in person, you, you can't go to Peach Jam or all these other different tournaments all over the place where you're able to evaluate, and you can't bring people here? Right, yeah. Like Coach Case mentioned, it's been, you know, so unique, so different than what we're accustomed to doing. You know, like most, uh, whether you're coaches or you're just any walk of life, you get used to routine. And so, you know, it's, it's inevitable for us as soon as the season's over with, you know, you, you, if you're not in the Final Four, you know, you get prepared to go to the Coaches uh, Association and you get to a Final Four. From there, you, you start recruiting for the next year. You get started on your spring, you know, uh, postseason skill development things and, and you guys leave for a little bit you come back in the summer so all that was interrupted obviously with the pandemic and so uh you know we had to adjust you had to be flexible you had to find ways to still improve and, and like coach case mentioned you know one thing coach davis uh did and, and we did as a staff is uh in large part because the season didn't end exactly where we would like to uh overall but just just our nature is to always find ways to get better uh we, we use that time uh, to, 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 to really reflect uh, what we can do to improve because we had more time, you know. So we, we, we were at home more, but we were still communicating a lot uh, via Zoom, via phone calls. Uh, and, and, again, I think we were really successful in, in, in utilizing the situation and making the best of it. Um, you know, if you look at our spring recruiting, we were able to sign you know, a really good class. Uh, you know, we were – uh, on Zoom calls with recruits, we found other ways to, to build those relationships that you mentioned. Uh, you know, one of the things that we did, we went back as a staff and really watched all the games uh, from this past season and, and really broke down some things that we can get better at within teams in our league and even even teams just around college basketball. So we were finding ways to, to not let uh, the pandemic and the schedule being interrupted not allow us to get better as a program. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Don't forget the ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a ceasefire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on this Friday afternoon. We uh, started a three-part conversation with uh, Ole Miss assistant basket, uh, basketball coaches Wynn Case, 
Ronnie Hamilton and Levi Watkins. A lot of the stuff there in the beginning was kind of background information, how they got to this point in their careers. We make a little bit of a pivot, though, in the conversation. Uh, we obviously are, are dealing with COVID. We're dealing with this time where you've got social justice messages and issues that are happening all across the country, and those are clearly important to some student-athletes. And what is it like when you are a black man coaching at the University of Mississippi and trying to convince primarily young black men to come to the state of Mississippi, largely that are from outside the state, to uh, to play basketball here? We dive into some of those topics as we uh, continue with this conversation, part two with the assistant basketball coaches at Ole Miss. Levi, when you start working to build a relationship with a, a young man that maybe you're beginning the recruiting process, you're, you're even just trying to figure out if, if there's a fit there, and you introduce yourself as Levi Watkins, assistant coach at, at Ole Miss, what is the initial reaction that you get to Ole Miss, University of Mississippi? Um, it depends because uh, a lot of times when we're, when we're recruiting young men, We've already had a relationship maybe with an AAU coach, a high school coach, a parent. Um, so we've kind of already went through, you know, the pros and cons about Ole Miss. Um, but the one thing that, that's been, been great for us and we've been recruiting at a very high level since we've been here is, uh, one, Coach Davis and his reputation as a coach. Uh, the amount of games he's won, um, his whole career for a long time. Uh, has really, really helped us get into different living rooms that maybe Ole Miss didn't in, in, in the past. And uh, obviously, the the SEC is, is a big time league. Um, I remember when I was in the ACC, we used to make jokes about the SEC being a football conference, <laughs> and we used to uh, re- negatively recruit against the SEC all the time. But but things have changed, you know, especially the last five six years with the commitment each of the universities have made to hire really good coaches and uh, those coaches going to get really good assistant coaches. And it's the league is so competitive. Um, the SEC network gives us crazy exposure um, that, you know, people from all over the country are able to see our games, um, whether you're at the top of the standards or the bottom. So all those things, o- Ole Miss is, 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 uh, is, is well known within the basketball community. Um, obviously, there was a lot of good players that were here in the past. Uh, AK did a good job as well. And um, I think the combination of that, our league, and Coach Davis and his success that he's had everywhere has really helped us uh, recruit well. When um, Levi mentioned negative recruiting a second ago, and I mean, it's no secret, Ole Miss has a, a complicated past, um, a, a past that includes. Um, you know, questions about uh, racism and other things. Does that come up in recruiting? And and if it does or when it does, I mean, people have talked about negative recruiting toward Ole Miss in the past. How, how do you address that? Well, I can tell you this. It, it definitely comes up, okay? And I'll never forget when, we, when I first uh, got hired here, and I'm, I'm in Florida at an AAU event, and I'm sitting next to uh, Coach White, Mike White, that uh, uh, and we just was talking. Obviously, he played here and and uh, spent a lot of time here. He still considered this home. Uh, but he said to me, he said, "Hey, so, you know, one thing that you're going to have to fight against is the negative recruiting when it comes to uh, trying to get some of the top players in the country." And uh, he said, "People are going to use everything they can in terms of uh, talking negative about Ole Miss." 
And uh, he said, you just, what you've got to do, he said, you've, you've got to let them know how you feel personally about being at Ole Miss. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I want to fast forward to now and looking back, going on three years, this is an unbelievable place. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and I tell people all the time, if you don't want to come to Ole Miss, don't take a visit. <laughs> don't. Because once you get here, you're going to see it. And people can say what they want to say. But I, and I'd like to take my coach's head off and speak directly from my heart. And I'm telling you now, it's really, really good people here. And these people are so welcoming. They, they want to let you know how much they love you. And I was talking to De- Devontae uh, the other day. Uh, Schuler about uh, being here and his, you know, obviously going on his fourth year. And I said, you know, I said, we're calling people and talking to them about season tickets and all this. And everybody want to talk about Devontae Schuler. You know, how's he doing? I mean, it's like you're their favorite son. And uh, he just put a big smile on his face. And I said, I said, you're going to really miss this place, aren't you? He said, yeah, I am, coach. I'm going to miss it. And so those are things that I like to tell recruits that you've got to come here and you've got to see it. And that's why we've had, you know, in the last couple of years, really good recruiting classes is because of when guys get here and their parents get here, they see it. And I'm telling you now, I've worked a lot of different places like all these guys have. And, and this has got to be the best place I've ever worked because of the people. And it's a really, really good place. I want to ask all three of you this. I'm, I'm curious what you knew about Ole Miss, what your perception was of Ole Miss as black assistant coaches before coming here and being part of it, living here, bringing your families here. Was there concern? Was there uh, some trepidation uh, in, in coming in? Because as we said a second ago, all three of you played at the, the Power Five level in either basketball or, or football, and you've been around. You've heard about Ole Miss. So, so what did you know or what did you think before you got here in comparison to kind of what you said just a second ago? Well, I can just tell you this. You know, when, we, when uh, Coach Davis was first hired um, at Ole Miss uh, and obviously said, hey, when I want you to come with me. And, you know, I talked to my wife about it and, and uh, talked to my wife's uh, father, my father-in-law. And the first thing he said on a three-way call, he said, are you guys going to Mississippi? And my wife basically and I said, yes, we're going to Mississippi. And he said to me, he said, boy, he said, golly, he said, you, do you know a lot about Mississippi? You know about the, uh, the past there in Mississippi? So basically he had some some. Uh, some cautious, I mean, words of wisdom, basically saying, hey, you guys got to think twice about coming to Mississippi. So, yeah, uh, it was out there. Uh, but going back to what I said earlier, that once you get here and you see it, and, you know, I'm here, I want to say myself and Ronnie before uh, Levi was hired, I'm here, we're here three weeks, four weeks before our families get here. Yeah. And we here, and I'm calling my wife, and I'm saying, you, you, I can't believe this. I say, I'm going down on the square, and people are stopping me and just saying, hey, man, welcome. Welcome to the family. Welcome to Ole Miss. Welcome to Mississippi. And I said, I'm just like, I think I'm in a fairy tale. And uh, it just seems like a really, really good place. Has your father-in-law's perception changed? It has. It definitely has changed. And he's been here. He's been here, and, and he's been uh, to a few ball games. He's been to a football game, and, and it has changed. It really has. We've had an unbelievable experience here. Ronnie, what about you? What, what you thought coming in, what you knew about Ole Miss coming in uh, compared to what it's been like in, in three years? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, I think, again, um, just piggybacking off of Coach Case, I think, you know, you, you sometimes maybe have a, uh, that whole, you know, judge a book 
by its cover uh, before you really, you know, get a chance to really experience it and know what it what it, what it really is. Um, and, I, and I think, as you mentioned, some of that is, is history. Uh, you know, again, there's a history here that 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 that, that can't be erased. Um, but I, I look at it, you know, like the only way you can change history is by what you do, you know, in the future. And so, uh, and I think even from a recruiting standpoint, some of that. Uh, as far as even with some families and kids that we recruit may have a perception. But again, like Coach said, until you get here and you see it and you can feel it, you realize uh, this is an unbelievable place uh, to, to, to live and raise a family. Uh, and so, as Coach mentioned, uh, you know, when we first uh, thought there's a possibility coming to, to Ole Miss and, and, and be, we're all excited about it and, 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 and knowing you're going to coach at a great league and a great place and uh, you do have that perception of, uh, this is Mississippi, uh, but being here, you know, just 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 even just in a short amount of time from the time we got here, uh, any of those concerns uh, were quelled uh, right away. And uh, like you said, I got little kids, uh, and they've absolutely, my wife included, have loved uh, being here. School system, um, you know, just 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 the, that 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 small town community feel that you have here in Oxford. People you meet around the state, whether you go to Jackson or Hattiesburg and things of that nature, uh, it's one of uh, our favorite places. And I've coached a lot of different universities in a lot of different cities that I, I've lived in. And so uh, I tell people too, just like uh, coaches said, you know, you got to come see it. You know, if you have any trepidation, you have any reservations about uh, this university, uh, this town, this state. Come, come speak, spend a weekend with us, and, and, and there's no doubt that, that, that uh, any of those reservations we, we put to rest. Uh, and so we've, we've, we've loved it. My family have. Um, it, it's been a great place for us to live and, and, and raise our, our kids. And, uh, you know, we just we really enjoy it and, and looking forward to, uh, to, to, continuing, to continuing that for a long time, hopefully. We'll finish up the conversation with Wynn Case, Levi Watkins, and Ronnie Hamilton after this time up. Get into some basketball stuff. What do they think about the proposal for every Division One basketball team, every single one of them, to be in the NCAA tournament? That and more when we continue Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, rolling through the 4 o'clock hour with you. Time for part three of our conversation, my conversation, I guess, with uh, Win Case, Ronnie Hamilton, and Levi Watkins, assistant coaches on the basketball staff. We get to some hoop stuff with the uh, the season getting relatively close and uh, some proposals out of the ACC. We'll get their reaction on that. But also, we are living in this time where social justice and uh, – the, the messaging goes along with that is such a big part of what we're seeing in the sports landscape, not landscape, but it can also at times be polarizing. And uh, they talked a little bit about this. Here's part three. When I want to ask you about this, I mean, we're, we're dealing with the time where um, college students, student athletes are letting their voice be heard in a way that maybe they haven't exercised that in the past. Uh, we look all across the country, and we have social justice initiatives that are out there. We see it all over sports, and it, it seems like there's a balance between, yes, voices need to be heard, there are changes that need to be happened, but you also look around and you've got a bunch of fans that say, hold, hold on a second, sports is my escape 
I'm not necessarily looking for a mix of politics or even activism when I go to a ball game or when I watch a ball game. I know it's a complicated subject with a lot of layers, but but how do you balance those two ideas? Well, I just think it's important to, you know, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I think the most important thing you've got to do, you've got to stand up for what's right. And and I, I love what Levi just said about Coach Davis in that this, you know, this is Mississippi now. Okay, and, and, and things are changed. And, 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 and like Levi said, I mean, Coach was a, a huge part of, of help changing that flag. And Let me interrupt you for a second. Okay. I, I thought that was an incredibly powerful moment that with all of the Division One coaches, football, basketball, from all the schools in the state of Mississippi standing there, he and Nikki McCray-Pinson at Mississippi State were the two who were chosen to kind of be the voice and speak on behalf of all of the coaches that were there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and obviously, you know, Coach being from Mississippi. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I sat there and I watched the uh, press conference, and I had tears in my eyes because Coach Davis spoke from his heart. And that's what I like to tell recruits. I said, you know, you got a guy that, that yes, he's going against a lot of people, in the state of Mississippi that wanted to keep that flag the way it was. And, and he spoke from his heart and, and basically said what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. In terms of supporting players uh, in allowing their voices to be heard and listening to things that are important to them, what's kind of the, the day-to-day routine? How much... As a team, have you guys spent talking about things that are important to them, whether it's social justice initiatives or wanting to be part of marches or, or standing up for things that they believe are right? Well, we just, like I said, again, it's just it's, it's important to be proactive. And we as a staff, and obviously Coach Davis being the leader, uh, basically stood up and said, hey, look, guys, hey, we're going to do whatever you guys want to do, and we're going to support you in whatever you want to do. We understand uh, times have really changed, and things are working in a lot of different directions. And uh, and we've had meetings with leaders of our team. Uh, we, we've uh, had meetings with, with uh, the hierarchy of uh, the university uh, about a lot of different things. And and so our, our, our team, just getting the heartbeat of our team, you know, Richard, is, is that they, they really feel like they've been supported in, 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 in all the things that they want to do. And, and we feel really, really good about that. Ronnie, when when your guys step on the court this year, whenever that is, hopefully it's on November 25th, maybe it's January 2nd, you know, whatever that date ends up being. With all that has transpired and what will then be almost nine months, will basketball feel normal again? Yeah, I think when you get on the court, you know, it will. Um, you know, I think if you look at you know, pro sports that are playing right now whether it's NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, we have football tonight, NFL starts. I think once you get in those lines, it'll feel normal. Uh, I think it's all the other things outside of that to get to that point that, that may be abnormal. Um, but, but I do think that you know, one of the things that all has transpired just in the last you know, nine months with the pandemic and social uh, justice, injustice and activism and things of that nature is that it, it, it'll, it'll, if you – um, are doing the things that that you kind of mentioned. You, you're having dialogue with your team. You, 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 you're you're having communication with, with your leaders and, and as your staff. Uh, it'll bring you closer, so that when you do play the games, uh, you're that much more of a team. And I think that's the one thing that I'm so excited about. Our group, uh, you know, since 
even just the, the COVID, uh, you know, we were on Zooms with those guys early on and just about, you know, when you're back home, what can we do to help? University did a great job in terms of providing resources and then through all the things going on with social injustice, we've had constant communication with them while they were away, while they were here. And I think it's made us a stronger program uh, so that when we do play, uh, it'll definitely feel like normal and, and we'll be even that much more of a stronger team, like I mentioned. Levi, I'm going to throw something at you, and we're going to kind of switch gears to, to a couple of basketball things as we wrap up and really appreciate the, the time that all three of you have given me. The ACC coaches yesterday voted unanimously in support of every single Division One team that is eligible being part of the NCAA tournament. What's your reaction to that? Well, my, my first reaction to the couple of tweets that I saw was um, uh, I, I couldn't really figure out exactly what they were saying. And then uh, once I figured out they wanted to get every single team in the NCAA tournament, I was I was kind of shocked to be honest. And uh, I still don't know logistically how how it would work. Um, I know to to make it to the NCAA tournament, I've been been a part of ten teams that have went. It, it's really hard to get there. Um, so I know we're in different time during a pandemic, but to kind of skip skip all the steps that it takes to get to to that point. Um, uh, I, I wasn't in, in favor of, but I know we have to be flexible. Um, just like when this all started to hit and we had to be flexible in recruiting, we were all kind of under the same rules and we wanted to be the best at, uh, and our program, uh, abiding to the rules and recruiting that way. But, uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. Just, uh, it's just, it was kind of a shock that they would, I just don't know logistically how it would work, um, having that many teams, but, uh, I know we're excited about our team, um, the people that we've, we've added, um, the guys returning, all getting better. And uh, I'd like to, you know, talk just like what Ronnie said, shout out to our administration and staff here um, for getting, you know, helping our guys get through the summer, getting better, uh, lifting, conditioning, working out with uh, with us as well on the court. So it's been a, it's been a good summer so far. When one of the, the challenges that college basketball has, and I think the sport overall is really healthy, is that so much focus is on the month of March and, and the NCAA tournament. And there are people that argue that it has devalued the regular season. With the idea of putting everybody in the country, I mean, it doesn't matter if you go 31-0 and 0 or 2-29, and 29, everybody gets in the dance. Does that further devalue the regular season, or is it just not an issue? I don't think it's an issue at all. I, you know, again, uh, there's so many different uh, scenarios that people are throwing around. I mean, obviously, like you, you guys just talked about, uh, uh, getting everybody in the tournament. I just think the most important thing every single day, just trying to help your team get better and, and try to peak at the right time, whether it's getting everybody in the tournament or not. And when it's all said and done, obviously, when March hits, you know, that's when it really, really gets going. Sure. And, and we want to try to uh, be playing our best basketball in March. Is the makeup of this team a team that you think legitimately has a – a postseason potential, an NCAA tournament potential. I really do, and 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 golly, I just I love coming in the gym every single day, seeing our guys. Uh, they're all good guys. They all love each other. And obviously, if you want to have a successful uh, team or a successful season, you you've got to have guys that that like each other and like being around each other and are pulling for each other. Great teammates, and we have a team full of obviously talented players. But we have a team full of guys that just really, really love basketball and love being around each other. Ronnie, give us a name for somebody, whether it's a, a returning player that 
didn't see a lot of playing time a year ago or maybe was a red shirt or somebody that's new that Ole Miss fans are going to gravitate to when, when they see his game on the floor? I think, you know, there's a couple. Uh, I'll, I'll add one. You said one, but I'll add two just because I think these guys early on have really sh- stepped up in terms of their game and, and their uh, work ethic. But Sammy Hunter and Austin Crowley, both sophomores now who uh, – you know, kind of, you know, I tell guys all the time, it's a freshman, it's hard to come in and, and be really, really good. And I think they just endured some of those freshman, um, you know, struggles. Uh, it had good moments, but just being in this league and, and, and as a freshman at this level, it, it takes a little while to figure it all out. I think both those guys have put an incredible amount of work in, um, both just physically in the weight room, but then on, on the court as well, their games, they're playing with a lot more confidence. Uh, early on and out of our preseason and skill development stuff. So I think the fans will see a noticeable improvement on both uh, those guys um, this year, and uh, we'll need them to uh, because they're both very, very talented and they both have a chance to be really, really good players. In our- so a uh, long conversation there with uh, Win Case, Ronnie Hamilton, and Levi Watkins, assistant coaches on Kermit Davis's staff at Ole Miss. Really appreciate all three of them uh, giving us uh, about 45 minutes of their time to uh, kind of talk a lot about what's going on in college basketball, what's happening at Ole Miss, the difference in reality versus perception of the state of Mississippi from uh, folks that are not natives of Mississippi. Uh, enjoyed that conversation on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour next with Michael Borky and Brian Haydad on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Again, thanks to uh, Win Case, Levi Watkins, and Ronnie Hamilton for uh, spending some time with me yesterday. Sat down uh, with the two of them, spent about 45 minutes with them, and uh, had a really interesting conversation. I'm always struck, guys. Uh, Borky, you are not originally from the state of Mississippi. Hey, Dad, you grew up here. I grew up here. And I'm always struck when you hear people who are not originally from here, but transition to living here, whether it's for work or or family or whatever the reasons. And it's almost like they're blown away with just how good and kind the people are across the entire state of Mississippi. And in some ways it's like a surprise, but then turns into almost a glowing endorsement of what our state actually is, whether you are a native or a a transplant. Yeah. And I I can certainly attest to that. that, that perception, it, it cracks me up now. But, for example, uh, when I told my extended family I was going to college in Mississippi, uh, my cousin, who went to Indiana for college, uh, she was one year older than me, so she was at Indiana, uh, because Bloomington is just a mecca of culture and innovation <laughs> and just a wonderful place, um, asked me why I'd go somewhere where they don't really have stoplights. I mean, that's the kind of ignorance in garbage that you get. I mean, she grew up in Ohio, outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. And yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that kind of cracks me up now. Because while looking down at somebody for their apparent ignorance, it's you who is the ignorant one. And 
some national perception of this state is just so unfounded in reality. And it's always nice to hear stories of people that had the same experience as I did. Because I grew up in South Carolina. I knew nothing. The first time I visited Mississippi was on my college visit, January of my senior year of high school. No family, no ties. My dad, who's well-traveled, had never been here before. Uh, And what you hear is not what you get at all. And now I'm over 10 years living in this state, married a woman from here, and my son was born here, and I'm proud of every single one of those facts. It's, it's not called the hospitality state for no reason. You know, they didn't just they didn't just pick the name. We didn't vote on it. So, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it works. I mean, it works. Yeah, I mean, this is people who who come here and live here. They learn that this is really a good place to live, and you know yeah. the, the outside perception of it is exactly that. It's outside. So, and you know the interesting thing is, while this was a conversation with three assistant coaches at Ole Miss. I think it could be a comparable conversation if you talk to the the three main assistants at Mississippi State, uh, and especially the ones that are from outside the the state of Mississippi. Uh, I think you would probably get a similar sentiment from Ben Howland, who is very much outside uh, the state of Mississippi. He's talked publicly uh, about how much he likes it here and uh, what the reaction has been. So uh, um, maybe not one size fits all, but uh, I think pretty similar in the reactions that you would get. Didn't Mike Leach uh, recently uh, brag about how much he loves the state because he bought a huge yeah. piece of land for next to nothing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like property, the most Mike values, Leach quote man. ever. You can, you can live high on the hog here in this state for, for not as yeah. much money. wonder what Mike Leach will do with a huge piece of land. Wander. He's going to build a, a life-size uh, HMS bounty and put it out there on the lake where he lives. I was going to say, you, you think there's going to be a, a recreation of a pirate ship? I, I would be surprised, but you never know with that guy. You do, I, I, I won't ever uh, take anything for granted with him. Hey, good friend of mine sent me a message said, Mississippi is the best hidden secret in the nation. Let's keep it that way, but we need internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. that That's coming. The uh, the rural broadband is a game changer in the, uh, the Magnolia State. We are glad to be with you the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll make it a football fiesta. We're going to look, I, I, I think I just stole something from Tim Brando. I, I think that's what he used to call the Fridays on his radio show uh, when he hosted that uh, the, the Friday football fiesta. Uh, but that's what we're going to do in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to look ahead at the games in the NFL this weekend. We're going to look at the uh, slate of college football games this weekend as well. And do you realize, guys, that two weeks from today, two weeks from today, we will be on the eve of the start of Southeastern Conference play. It feels like we're going to make it. Hey, Dad, I guess you'll be joining us from uh, from Baton Rouge, probably. Probably. We'll see. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour coming up. College Football Fix with you is next. We will be right back.
You remember Michael Bork here gave you the story yesterday that uh, NBA player Daniel House, formerly of Texas A&M, now with the Houston Rockets, was potentially in trouble for having a COVID worker in his hotel room. The NBA has issued a statement. It says the NBA has concluded the investigation of a recent violation of campus health and safety protocols. The findings are that, one, Houston Rockets forward Daniel House had a guest in his hotel room over multiple hours on September 8 who was not authorized to be on campus, and two, no evidence was found that other players or staff had contact with the guest or were involved in the incident. Mr. House is leaving the NBA campus and will not participate with the Rockets team in additional games this season. They couldn't let him stay till Saturday? That's how long they're going to be there anyway. Well, you break the rules, you get the punishment. Gets gets to leave a whole day early. (laughs) Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us on this Friday afternoon. You want to be part of the conversation? You can do that on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395 at C Spire. They're always asking the big questions like, why wait for the next device to get the device you want? Other carriers make you sit tight until the next big device has come out, then maybe they will give you a deal on the iPhone that you want. You know it. C Spire knows it. We all know it. That's bull. That's why they're bringing you the best deal on your choice of iPhone, not next week, not next month, but today. Whether you're upgrading, adding a new line, or switching from another carrier, this is the deal that you have been holding out for. Right now, you can get any iPhone for $100 off, $100 off at your local C Spire store and online at cspire.com. Don't miss out on this deal. It's a deal that I am contemplating right now. Told you I've got to get a new phone. Mine has been, uh, it's tired. It's old and it's tired and it's worn out and it's ready to be retired. And so the only question for me is, do I save 100 bucks on the iPhone 11 or do I hang on for just a few more weeks for the iPhone 12 allegedly coming out in October? We'll certainly have more details for you on that if indeed that turns out to be the case. But I got a decision to make, and you do too. Do you want to save $100 on an iPhone? If you do, check out cspire.com or visit your local cspire store. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. It is truck month. That means your time to save, your time to get behind the wheel of, oh, maybe the F-Series, maybe the Super Duty. Maybe it's a Ford Ranger that you fancy. F-150 is the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today, this weekend. All right, college football fix. We had one game in college football last night. UAB at Miami. UAB, they kind of hung in there tough, but they could never quite get over the hump last night. The Eric King making his debut for the Miami Hurricanes pretty darn good. 16 straight games in which he has rushed and passed for a touchdown. That's pretty darn good. That was yeah. also a cover, too, right? Lee got it right yesterday's first one of the weekend. He did. 13.5 was the line on that ball game. Miami wins it by 17. De'Eric King, 16 of 24, 144 yards. So not a big passing night. Did have a touchdown. 
Uh, Nkosi Perry also played. He was 2 of 3 for 14 yards. Uh, pretty good night running the football. Really good night running the football for Miami. Uh, Nick Saban might describe it as bleep through a screen door. <laughs> 52 carries for 337 yards, 6.5 yards per carry last night for the Miami Hurricanes. Cameron Harris had 134 yards, 2 TDs. De'Eric King, 12 carries for 83 yards. The quarterback position is going to look different for the Hurricanes this year, and it's going to look different because they've got a guy that can throw it and can run it and does both effectively. Yeah, it's kind of like the high school thing where you just throw your best athlete at quarterback and just let him touch the ball as many times as humanly possible. It's kind of how it felt last night with De'Eric King. Not the best quarterback, but uh, probably the best athlete on the field. And I watched more of that game than I expected I was going to. Nice to see fans in the stands in Miami, by the way. That's always a good sight to see. They look to be appropriately socially distanced, which was nice. But that game, at least the portions of it that I watched, is what we talk about all the time, right? There is just a difference in athlete between an ACC school and a level that UAB's on. UAB's well-coached. That's why they hung around for a little while. But it was very clear... You only needed a few plays to see that one team simply just had better athletes than the yeah. other, and that's how a game like that works out. Hey, Dad, at what point is watching a college football game with no or few fans in the stands going to really bother you? And, and I ask that. I, I, the reason I ask that is because it really hasn't bothered me all that much yet. Didn't bother me yep. with the Chiefs game last night. They had, what, 20% stadium capacity? And I was going to bother us. I was watching Premier League that had no fans. No fans whatsoever, and it never bothered me. My, my, my first thought, though, is you mentioned it a second ago. If I head down to Baton Rouge in a couple weeks, being there live and at Tiger Stadium, a place, you know, renowned for being the loudest college football stadium, maybe the loudest football stadium in the world, and it not being that way and it only being 20,000 people in there. That it might not be bother might might not be the right word, but noticeable. It, yeah. it would definitely be noticeable to be there live. I think in a good way too. If you're Mississippi State, you can't can't go wrong with that. That's that's very yeah. good. Noticeable. Got some Power Five games this weekend. ACC play begins. You got uh, Big Twelve teams in action. It's not a slate of games where you're like, oh man, I've got to rearrange my day to make sure that I don't miss a single snap of any of these games. But there's some that are fascinating. Syracuse is at North Carolina. First look at Sam Howell in his sophomore season after an incredible freshman season in Phil Longo's offense on Mac Brown's team. Year two for Mac Brown and company at North Carolina. They surprised some people a year ago. North Carolina is a 23-point favorite over Syracuse in the season opener. Thoughts on that game? I love the underdogs early. There's a few more Power 5 games I didn't list here. By the way, these are just the ones that are most intriguing. I don't think you really cared about Missouri State and Oklahoma, even though that's Bobby Petrino's debut uh, for the Bears. Spencer Rattler's debut is the starting quarterback at Oklahoma as well. And to watch it, you have to pay $55 on pay-per-view to see it. I'll be checking Periscope to see who's uh, who's streaming. (laughs) You think it'll be out there? Oh yeah, somebody did. Somebody did the the army game. Was it last year or whenever? Yeah, it was. when they went to overtime. Yeah, I Didn't watched like that whole game. Thirty-seven thousand people jump onto that stream yes. or something. <laughs> I was one of them in the MSU press box. One of my tabs <laughs> open was Oklahoma and Army on Periscope. Which game did you ask about? Syracuse and North Syracuse, Carolina. Syracuse, North Carolina. I derailed that. I, I'm sorry, but I love yeah. the early underdogs. Syracuse, man, they are they are opt out 
they're strapped, man. They have got a lot of players sitting out. And UNC, I mean, we're talking about Longo, right? Kind of love the Tar Heels there. Hashtag get open. Iowa State is hosting Louisiana Lafayette. That is an 11 a.m. game on ESPN. Our friend Tom Hart will be doing play-by-play. Cole Kubelik will actually be at the game. Tom told us earlier this week, I guess it was on Tuesday, that he will be doing play-by-play from his basement. Mike Golick Sr. will be the color analyst. He will be in Bristol. And Cole Kubelik will be in Ames, Iowa, on the sidelines or in the stands or something, and will kind of be the eyes inside the stadium. Again, early kickoff, pretty good Iowa State team a year ago. Matt Campbell is pretty comfortable in where he is. And Louisiana, an 11-win team a season ago. Billy Napier stays in Lafayette. Probably going to be a pretty good team once again. Not the head coach at Mississippi State, despite reports. Despite reports, he is not the head coach at Mississippi State. To my knowledge, anyway. I haven't heard that. Wait, did anybody report that he actually... Like took no, the nobody, job. nobody ever said. Well, okay, I take that back. One guy did. There were a lot he, of "it's a done deal." Yeah, there were a lot. Of, it's a, it's, it's all but done kind of thing. There was one guy reporting it. He no longer works in sports media. Uh, but beyond <laughs> that, no. oh, <laughs> yeah. Whew. How about he, this line? He he went on a streak of it, of guys. He confirmed, I think, four different head coaches for Mississippi State. Uh, you know, you got you got to shoot right. Shame, man. Shoot you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Michael Jordan, Michael Scott, Michael Scott. Um, but how about this I line? like the Cajuns. Yeah, I like it's the only Cajuns. eleven and a half. I just Iowa State is. I mean, I like Matt Campbell. Don't get me wrong. Good coach. Going to be a big time coach one day. But I think Napier is sort of the same thing. And I, I, I don't think ULL is going to be scared to go up to Iowa State. They go to SEC schools all the time. It could be a close game. Okay. Hopefully it will be. That would be fun. That'd be a fun way to kick off a college football Saturday. Middle of the afternoon, Duke is at Notre Dame. We'll talk about that one. We'll talk about Georgia Tech and Florida State. Georgia Tech starting starting to maybe get the roster to look the way it wants to, to be able to play the way they want to under Jeff Collins. Clemson, a lot of folks' favorite to be a national champion this year. Got to go on the road to start the season. We'll talk about those games and more when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, glad to be with you on this Friday afternoon. We were walking through some of the more interesting games involving Power 5 teams this weekend. We talked a little bit about Syracuse, North Carolina, Talked about Louisiana against Iowa State. What about Duke going to Notre Dame? New quarterback for the Duke Blue Devils, Chase Bryce, the Clemson transfer, is the starter. David Cutcliffe has a uh, history of doing a pretty good job with quarterbacks and obviously was uh, happy to get this one into his program. And Notre Dame back with Ian Book. Pretty big expectations. Almost everybody, almost everybody that has made predictions not really going out on a limb, expecting Notre Dame and Clemson to be the winners and meet each other in the uh, the ACC championship game. For what it's worth, Chase Bryce in 2017 was a really high-profile recruit, four-star kid, had offers from most everybody up the East Coast. Okay. Very David Cutcliffe, though, pro-style, not, ex- not the most mobile guy in the world. Uh, he's a better athlete than Eli, but... Um, 
He's a pro-style quarterback. Throws the football really well. He just had to leave Clemson because they recruit just slightly better than him. Yeah, that Lawrence kid's okay. Yeah, he's all right. Not not bad. Do you think he's in the mold of Daniel Jones? He's not as tall. He's only listed at six foot two. Okay, and I'm sure he's grown since he was 18. But and maybe that's, maybe not. That's tough company there with Danny Dimes. It, Jones was not great in college, though. So you, you would hope if they're going to have any shot, he needs to be better than what Daniel Jones gave him. Twenty is a lot of points. Is that enough for Duke? I mean, if. If I, I always like to play the game of, you know, if I told you the score was this, would you have trouble believing? If I told you that Notre Dame won 41 to 20, do you believe that? I would. Well, then I'm probably going to take Notre Dame then. But if I told you that Notre Dame won 38 to 24, would you believe that? I mean, 41 20 sounds more believable to me. So you think Brian Kelly's going to kick that garbage time field goal to cover? I think it might be more of uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Duke gets a late touchdown to make it look respectable. Okay. Thirty-eight twenty-one's not a cover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, forty to twenty-one isn't a cover. What's the over/under? Well, how many? I mean, we we can go further down the math train if you want. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Irish. Okay. My mom will get mad at me mad at me if she found out I was going against the church. Florida State is hosting Georgia Tech. New head football coach in Mike Norvell. Georgia Tech in year two with Jeff Collins, right? Is this year two or year three? Year two. It's year year two with Jeff yeah. Collins. Florida State a twelve and a half point favorite. On the surface, that doesn't sound like a huge number to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wouldn't do anything for you? Florida State, not great the last two years. They haven't recruited as well as, as as recruiting sites would have you believe. Their offensive line has just been atrocious. And, of course, on the other side, you've got my man with the juice, the swag chalice. I don't know how I'm supposed to go against Coach Collins. I mean, I can see this game being close. So, yeah, I'm going to take, take Georgia Tech. Okay. Borky, you have a lean here? Um, not exactly. I, I have no idea what to make of, of transition because it, we talked about it when they hired him, right? It, transitioning from the triple option to traditional football was going to be a huge challenge. And now, after year one, it got disrupted by COVID. So on top of completely changing everything about the program, stylistically, roster, otherwise, they had this whole you know, coronavirus thing you may have heard of, uh, disrupt their preparation into year two. Uh, So I I have no idea, but I'm fascinated to see how they've navigated it because their situation, even though he's not a new coach, is a little bit different than a lot of people's because they are, like I said, changing everything about the way Georgia Tech plays football. And that was going to take a while. I think one of us called it a four-year project. Yeah. Do you think that Louisiana Monroe, ULM, is three touchdowns better than Middle Tennessee? There's a reason I'm asking this question. Based on what I saw last week, yes. Without even knowing who he is, I promise you, 
their coach is better at clock management than the guy at Middle Tennessee? Well, I mean, again, there, there's a reason I'm asking that, and it has nothing to do with ULM playing Middle Tennessee. ULM is at Army. Army last week beat Middle Tennessee 42 to nothing. Army is a 21 and a half point favorite against ULM for a noon 30 kickoff tomorrow on CBS Sports Network. I know transitive property doesn't always work in college football. In fact, it rarely works in college football. But given what you saw from Army in week one, got a game under the, their belts, they're hard to prepare for. It's not like ULM is a national power, but 21 and a half is a big number for a service academy to cover, generally speaking. Just kind of thinking out loud. So you messed with me. If you were told me that ULM was playing Middle Tennessee, I would have been like, I don't care what the line is, I'm taking taking the Warhawks there. But against uh, Army, I don't know, a little different, little different uh, view of that. Army's got the best home field advantage in college football this year, by the way. Why do you say that? Because they're all the letting there? all the cadets in, and they've spread them out around the entire stadium. It yeah. looks really cool. It's it's a federal thing. It's a, the Army campus is federal property, so state laws don't uh, <laughs> supersede. And Navy had nobody, which was fascinating. But yeah, they they spread the cadets around the entire stadium. It looked great. I could be wrong, but I don't think the is the Navy stadium on its campus. It might not be. That might be the problem. Mm, I don't know. Mikey Stadium, though, is I can't ever remember if it's Mikey or Mitchie. I've always I said think, Mitchie, but that doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I've actually yeah. been there. I just can't ever remember. It is the Navy Stadium cool. is off campus. That's the problem. Huh, there it is. Well, they also chose not to block or tackle at all leading up to their game. They just so. did all sorts of things that football teams don't normally do. <laughs> Clemson is a 33-point favorite at Wake Forest. The total in that game is 60. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I almost lean tough. in the direction of taking Clemson and the under. Yeah, that seems right, right? Clemson will win the game like 49 to nothing. Something like that. Yeah. Even 49 to 70, you're still under. Say this so, yeah. every time they get brought up because I believe it wholeheartedly. Dave Clawson not being more involved in coaching carousels blows my mind. Good coach, but not today. Shout out to my friend Red Hobart, who's now over at uh, Wick Forest as one of their associate ADs, but uh, Clemson will, will cover. Tulane is at South Alabama. That game is on ESPN2. Tulane playing their first game of the year. South Alabama 1-0 after winning last Thursday night. Tulane is a 10-point favorite in that ball game in Mobile. UTEP is at Texas. You want to watch it? you got to find Longhorn Network. Texas playing their first game of the season. Western Kentucky and Louisville playing on the ACC Network. Uh, you want a night game? you got to go to FS1. Coastal Carolina... At Kansas, 9 p.m. Central. Kansas is only a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Coastal Carolina. That's a 10 o'clock local start for the Chanticleers. You go to the high school game and then head over to Chanticleer Stadium. I don't know what it's called. They've got teal turf. It's actually pretty cool looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. And shout-out, by the way, you mentioned Tulane. Shout-out to the mayor of New Orleans that was unaware that Tulane was playing. She was under the impression that uh, hmm. her orders had canceled their season, even though the 
athletic department had been working with the mayor's office to no buy. Good grief, lady. Pay attention. Had no idea. So that line of questioning did not go well, huh? Were oh, you telling me about that on the air or off? Uh, off, uh, off the air. So there was a local sports reporter um, was asking questions of the mayor, and she did not like them. And credit to him, he did not back down at all because the state has moved over to Phase 3, which allows football. But the city decided they're going to stay in Phase 2, just for whatever reason, which means no football. And he asked, well, why are the Saints allowed to play? And he got the response of, well, it's because it's an essential business or whatever. And then he goes, okay, what about Tulane? And the response was, I was unaware that Tulane was playing this year. Yeah, and 40 miles up the road, LSU can have 25,000 people in their stadium. But the freaking Saints aren't allowed to have a soul inside of the Superdome. Explain and it won't happen that for that week me. three game. They, they, yep. they announced that today. Yep. Just no not going to happen in week October. three either. Until October. Vanderbilt, no fans until November. Well, which did is, they announce that? Yeah. yeah, congrats to Vanderbilt for having fans in November. I didn't know they were going to get them. Ugh. So 13 of the 14 SEC schools, fans in the stadium. Vanderbilt, the one holdout. Shocking. I went down a rabbit hole during the break. Sandy having no fans? Oh, no. I was still thinking about the mayor of New Orleans, and it made me think about the previous mayor of New Orleans, Ray Nagan. And I said, whatever happened to him? And so I Googled it, and uh, I found out that uh, he's now a convicted felon. He's a guest and, of the uh, state, isn't he? Say what? Is he a guest of the state at this point? Yes, but recently got out of prison, even though his uh, prison sentence was not to be released before May 25th of 2023 in response to the COVID-19 pandemic spreading in the prison in which he was serving his time, Federal Correctional uh, Correctional Institution Texarkana. Uh, authorities released Nagan to house arrest on April 27th of this year. So there you go. He was indicted on 20 of 21 corruption charges, including wire fraud, conspiracy, bribery, money laundering, filing false tax returns related to bribes from city contractors. I knew he didn't do that one, though. I knew that. <laughs> so yes. I, I slightly misspoke earlier. So in this press conference, this uh, local reporter was grilling the mayor about high school football because the state went to Phase 3, New Orleans State in Phase 2, and he was saying, Mayor, people are confused. Can you just answer yes or no? Is high school allowed to play? And, and she didn't like it and then just walked off the podium. So medical expert steps in and was unaware that Tulane oh, okay. was playing. So, But either way, it's all the same. It's all the same. The chief medical expert of the mayor of New Orleans did not know that Tulane was practicing and preparing to play a football season to the point where Tulane's official Twitter account Tulane Football released a statement saying, we have worked with the city. We're getting ready to play a season. By the way, with regard to Ray Nagin, uh, this uh, line in Wikipedia is interesting. Despite New Orleans' long history of political corruption, Nagin was the first mayor to be criminally charged for corruption in office. It's bad luck. Yeah. State, you know, this is the state of Huey Long. and they're getting, you can't, get, can't get convicted like that. Come on, man. Cover Isn't that Huey P. Long? And all the same? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The Kingfish. 
The Kingfish, indeed. Good to be with you this afternoon. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That's the best way for you to be a part of the conversation this afternoon. Um, NFL slate, full slate of games this weekend. Obviously none tonight, none tomorrow, but then Sunday uh, you got a bunch of games and you've got the uh, Monday night football doubleheader. Uh, say that. Let me say it again. We got a full slate of NFL games on Sunday. I mean, political stuff aside, just forget about it. You get out of church on Sunday, have lunch, flip on the television, football. Football on Sunday afternoon, football on Sunday night, and then two of them on Monday night. Been waiting a long time to say that. Yes, sir. It's all good. Mm. I don't know why that hit me like it did, but it just hit. It's just like, because it's, we've it's, been dealing with ifs and whats and protocols and all that crap all summer long, and now it's, hey, look, the Saints play the Bucks on Sunday. Tom Brady with his new team. Mike Evans is out, potentially out for the game. He's questionable. What's Tampa going to look like against New Orleans? And Drew Brees had a great quote, I think it was Wednesday, where he said he's on borrowed time. And so he's mm-hmm. just going to let it fly this year, man. 50 times a game if, it's, if he's asked for it. He, reading between the lines, he knows this is the final run. And so he's just going to lay it all out. If his arm falls off his shoulder by the end of the season, he's okay with that because this is all he's going to need it for. I love this. Two 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks – Super Bowl odds for both of them are extremely good. Get Brady, is he a system quarterback? All those storylines, that's the conversation now. Yeah, Brady's not on borrowed time, though. He's playing until he's 50. He keeps himself in that kind of shape. John Harbaugh. Slice of strawberry every day. That's all he has. (laughs) John Harbaugh noticed someone had placed a face shield in his office this week. And the Ravens head coach thought about using it for Sunday's season opener because his glasses fog up in humid weather. And Earlier today, Andy Harbaugh Reed. says, I dismissed that after last night. <laughs> Andy Reid became a, uh, a target for laughs, not for the first like time in his life, and a social media meme after his face shield fogged up throughout the victory last night over the Houston Texans. It's like driving after a rainstorm in that thing. Good Lord. Uh, NFL coaches and staff members on the sideline must wear masks during uh, coronavirus pandemic, and Reed chose personal protective equipment that soon became the talk of the football world. It was hilarious. <laughs> he looked like Iron Man. <laughs> well, and, not and Iron. It was, like, more... it was like somehow, it was like stapled to the bill of his yeah. cap. <laughs> It was fantastic. It was the most Andy Reid thing ever. Can you imagine Bill Belichick wearing that? No. I, I cannot. Hmm. This will be cut off like right, right, right below the nose. He'll just repurpose his sleeves. Harbaugh has been wearing an assortment of neck gaiters at practices for the Ravens, but because he uses glasses to read playing cards during games, he did try on the face shield. Here's what he said. I did look in the mirror, and I was like, I don't think so. But it's not just John Harbaugh having fun at the expense of Andy Reid, who is one of his best friends. 
John Harbaugh's wife, Ingrid, couldn't resist joking about the face shield as well. According to John Harbaugh, his wife, Ingrid, she did mention to me in the Kansas City area there's going to be a lot of Halloween outfits with face shields and mustaches. So, wow, that's tough. Speaking of Harbaugh and the Ravens, uh, I think you've got free money on that game against Cleveland, by the way. The Browns' secondary is really banged up right now, and it's just a touchdown and a half at home. All right, here are your lines this weekend in the NFL. Seahawks at Falcons. Seattle is only a a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Hey, Dad says that's easy money. That is the easiest money. Buffalo hosting the Jets. The Bills are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in the season opener. The Detroit Lions are a three-point favorite at home against Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Minnesota is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Green Bay Packers. you got to pick an early game to watch. That's your one. Patriots hosting Dolphins, New England minus six-and-a-half. I lied. That one's more interesting with Newton. But yeah. the other one should be a better game. Fits magic. A little surprised that the Philadelphia Eagles are only a five-and-a-half-point favorite at Washington. A little. The Washington football team. The Washington the football, football team. team. No, don't take the football team. Raiders are a three-point favorite at the Carolina Panthers. That's another one that I I, I scratch my head a little bit about. Love Christian McCaffrey, but the Raiders have a better football team than Carolina does. They should, for sure. Get the Bally's Brunch Buffet, and then you're there for kickoff. (laughs) It's in Carolina. Oh, what a shame. Uh, Colts are a 7.5-point favorite in Jacksonville. That one's interesting. I mean, only because is Jacksonville really tanking? Did they dump Fournette because he's a locker room headache, or are they actively trying to lose to get Trevor Lawrence? They've dumped a couple other guys since then. So, I mean, like we said, this is a team that was in the AFC Championship game and had the lead in the fourth quarter two years ago. Now they're they're actively tanking. So, yeah. Baltimore is a a 7.5-point favorite against the Cleveland Browns. I th- As Borky mentioned a moment ago. That's free money, I think. Feels good. The Los Angeles Chargers are only a three-point favorite against the Cincinnati Bengals. NFL riding that burrow momentum already. And you're not Ricky. going to get Herbert for the Chargers. Yeah. Name team captain. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. Joe Burrow. They love him. I mean, you can see why. If you watch one of his, one of his interviews, he's got... Ohio kid, number yeah. one pick in the draft, sure. He's not? got some swagger to him. You know his yeah. teammates love him. I've always said that, that he's fantastic. Yeah, sure you have. Sorry, that was kind of guttural. Yeah, it was. I don't know what you're trying to say. Saints, three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Bucks. You guys did not like the direction Lee Sterling went on that game yesterday. He's wrong. People are, I think, overselling the early Tampa Bay Bucks. You can't forget that, yes, while very talented, 
This is still Tom Brady's first game in a new system. Shouldn't you lean with the more known quantity when you're picking this game? The Saints are completely intact. Same everything. Besides, it's impossible to win as an opponent in the Dome. Yeah, especially with that 70 decibel level. Oh, wait. Uh, Niners are a seven-point favorite against the Arizona Cardinals. Sunday night football, Cowboys and Rams. Dallas, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Stay away. Pittsburgh favored by six over the Giants on Monday night in the early game. Titans, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the Broncos in the late game on Monday night. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.